0: Hi there, and welcome to Even If, a weekly podcast about standing firm when life is shaking. I'm your host, Kelly Strife, Strife rhymes with wife, and together we're finding the courage to approach uncertain and unwanted seasons of life through a posture of faith that stands firm and declares, even if he doesn't, he is still good. I've been thinking a lot about God's presence in our pain lately. It's a phrase I use a lot. It's my go-to prayer when people are suffering. God, be so present in their pain. Be close to them in this season. Comfort them with your presence. Be near. The interesting thing is that not everyone wants the same type of presence in their grief. And I think that impacts how people perceive that prayer. What kind of presence am I asking for? What kind of presence can we expect from God? Most of us want whatever presence will lessen our pain, and sometimes God's presence does that, but other times His presence manifests as protection, as guidance, as sleep, as peace, as redemption, as healing, as endurance, as refining, as joy. And I'm not sure we always recognize His presence in those ways, or if we do, sometimes we're so focused on looking for what we want that we miss the manifestation that is most what we need. We already know how awkward it is for people to be present in our pain. That's really clear as we try to navigate grief with each other. Being present in people's pain is awkward and uncomfortable and humbling. And oftentimes we get it wrong far more than we get it right. When Imogen died, people didn't have any idea what to do. I wouldn't have known what to do either. They wanted to help. They wanted to communicate how much they cared. They wanted to bring some kind of relief, but... No one really knows what to do when people are hurting and grieving and sad. So, a friend of ours started this meal train because that's what you do. So, she started a meal train after Imogen was born and it filled up in less than 24 hours. We had three meals a week scheduled for the first two months after Imogen was born. And good friends of ours had signed up for the very first night. So, we were texting back and forth about their plans and they were picking up food from one of our favorite restaurants. And I casually commented, you guys are welcome to stay and eat with us if you want. And I didn't really think much of it. I just threw the offer out there and they showed up that night. They'd gotten a babysitter for their kids and ordered extra dinner for themselves. And they sat on the couch and ate with us while we overshared way too much information about our story because we hadn't yet picked up on that deer in headlights look we got from people when we talked about death so casually in conversation. Our experience was so fresh and so raw, and we felt so exposed that we just kind of vomited it all out there. And these sweet friends, they just sat there and took it all in. They listened to us. They cried with us. And she gave me a few very necessary pointers about postpartum bathroom expectations, and we'll just leave it at that. That's how the night went. Before they left, we thanked them for coming, and they said something that stuck with me. They said, When we were making our plans, we weren't sure if you wanted us to come in, if you wanted us to leave dinner on your doorstep or just have it delivered, if you wanted us to eat with you. We didn't know what to do. So we were so glad that you told us what you wanted. They were happy to sit there and eat out of plastic bowls and listen to us and cry with us and hold space for us. They just didn't know how we wanted them to be present until I told them. And that was the first time I recognized how much we have to tell people what we need in grief. Most people genuinely want to help. They want to be present. They want to say the right things and avoid saying the wrong things. But grief just feels like this minefield and no one is quite sure where to step. So we started giving people a roadmap. We'd email ahead of time and let people know what to expect from us emotionally. We sent out a list of questions that we loved to answer and lists of phrases that were harder for us to hear. We kept friends informed of specific things that triggered us and were especially difficult in that season. And we didn't have any expectation that people would use all of our suggestions. We just wanted to make it available to the ones that genuinely wanted to be sensitive and just didn't know how. And that's kind of the backwards expectation in grief. Not only are you already carrying the weight of the loss you're experiencing, But now you have the responsibility for teaching others how to carry it with you, how to be present, how to bring comfort, how to make their actions match their intentions. And we could do a whole series on the well-intentioned ways people have harmed us in their pain, but I'll save the specifics of that for another episode. What I want to emphasize today is that most of us learn to recognize the intentions people have and how to kindly and gently redirect them when they veer off course. People don't always know what we need, so we have to tell them. And I wonder if we've become so adept at redirecting those efforts that we're attempting to course correct God. If we've become so accustomed to teaching others what we need that we forget God doesn't need to be taught. If we've gotten so good at defining what's helpful in our pain that we offer our do's and don'ts to God and ask him to stick to the list, please, are we actually seeking his presence or are we defining the terms of engagement and asking him to play along? Several years ago, I created a study on the story of the Exodus. I've always deeply identified with the Israelites as they're wandering in the wilderness They're stuck between the promises God's given them and the oppression they've left behind, but still longing for the day he'd fulfill everything he said. I would have hated that desert. I would have hated the detours and delays and lack of clear direction or plan. I would have wanted a map. Thank you very much. I likely would have grumbled and complained and taken things into my own hands the first chance I got. I get them. These are my people. But I also want to learn from them. I want to benefit from the experience they gained because I don't want to miss the gifts the wilderness has to offer. And so I've poured over their journey, constantly seeking to find treasure in God's presence, protection, and preparation, which are the themes I find there over and over again and Here's what's always struck me about God's presence. We find out early in their journey that God is with them, that his presence goes before them and hems them in from behind. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, we see that by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The pillars are this physical manifestation of God's presence with his people, this visible reminder that he was with them, leading them, guiding and directing them. But here's what's so interesting about the pillars the Lord changes the manifestation of his presence in direct correlation to the deficiency of their circumstance. And let me say that again, the Lord changes the way he shows up depending on what they need. And for those of us that are desperately seeking God's presence in the middle of our pain, it's worth noting that his presence might look different than what we expect. It might feel different than we'd imagined. And yet it might provide exactly what we need. For the Israelites, during the days of scorching heat, he showed up in a cloud that didn't just take its place at the front of the people, but in studying further, it actually became a covering that stretched out over their heads and shielded them from the sun. He provided relief from the endless desert heat and protection for their tender skin and spirits. The God who created the sun itself, the God who designed the desert to be without shadow or shade, the God who led his people directly directly into its sweltering grasp became himself the very thing he had purposed their situation to lack he was their shelter he was their covering he was their relief and in the darkest night he became a pillar of fire his light allowed them to move in the most unexpected moments His furnace warned off enemies by its flickering flames and his glow eliminated nighttime terrors. No Israelite children grew up being afraid of the dark because God, who had also purposed the darkness, became a light in the middle of it. His presence was their light. And I'm just overwhelmed by the kindness of God in this story. I'm so struck by the character of God who becomes himself everything his people need. He knew everything they were facing. He knew the needs of their season. He knew the depths of their longing. And he made himself enough. And this is the magnificence of who God is. He's not afraid to approach us in our pain, worried that he'll say or do the wrong thing. He's not offering well-intentioned advice or platitudes that cause us to roll our eyes and say, thank you, through gritted teeth because we don't want to cause a scene. He's not waiting to hear how or when or where we want him to show up or asking us to set the rules of the game. He doesn't need our proactivity to teach him how to engage. He already is. If God doesn't feel present in your pain, it might be because he's positioned himself over you, sheltering you from heat you couldn't bear right now. It might be because he's surrounding you with protection from attacks you never even knew were coming. And it might be because he's battling on your behalf for the victory you're going to see down the road. He is actively moving on your behalf right now. He's actively protecting you right now. He's actively providing for you right now. He's actively preparing you right now. He's actively at work in your life, providing the very things you need most in this season and the ones you'll carry into the next, even when it doesn't feel like we imagined. So when I ask for God's presence in my life and in yours, Expecting him to simply relieve our pain is asking far too much and far too little. God's presence in your life, while holy and helpful and healing, will never take away the full weight of the pain we feel in our loss. God's presence will never replace your child's. It will never replace Imogen's. It will never replace your husbands or your friends. It will never replace the presence of the people we love and long for and wish were with us here on earth. It wasn't designed to make us less human in our sadness. And if we're asking God to immediately and absolutely remove our hurt, we're asking far too much. We can receive the comfort of knowing that God is near even while we carry the ache of the one who is not. But if all we're expecting is for God to take our pain away, to give us answers or explanations or keys, we're looking for far too little. Our pain, while all-consuming right now, is not the litmus test for whether or not God is near. God doesn't just want to ease our pain. He wants us to identify with him in it. He wants to guard our hearts and our minds from unhelpful thoughts. He wants to give us peace that allows us to sleep at night. He wants to show us how he feels about us. He wants to lead us to the next step in our journey. He wants to come behind us, protecting us from harm that we might never have even known was there. And wherever we go, however we get there, he wants to go there with us. He's patient as He waits for us to engage with Him. I know for some of us it takes a little while, and He's good with that. But we don't have to teach Him what we need. I promise He already knows. And the more we sit with Him, the more we'll find all of it in His presence. Exactly what we need in this season, at this time, for this moment. It means so much to me that you would listen to the Even If podcast and My hope is that this episode provides you enough strength to continue standing firm when life is shaking. If this has inspired you in any way, you can always leave a rating or review. It's one way you can let me know you're listening. Or feel free to share this with a friend, share it on social media. It's another way I get to know if my words are landing. I'll see you back here next week for a new episode of Even If.